So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Easy Conversations. Thanks a lot to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring the homie Justin Mocktinger. Justin, you absolutely killed it on here, and we look forward to having you on again down the road. So now for episode 114 of Easy Conversations. I'm extremely excited, of course, to be back in the studio virtually with the homie Matt. So what's up to the people? What's going on, everybody? Hope you're having a great time right now. Very excited for tonight's episode. We have yet another guest on, and we won't be doing any lists or any movie talk, or it's going to be a little different tonight, back to our roots. Um, but Eric, uh, without further ado, Eric, why don't you tell us who our guests are and what we're going to be talking about? Yeah, big guest coming on. Not his first uh, rodeo on here, knows what it takes. But like Matt said, it's going to be a bit of a different uh, change of pace for us tonight. So bringing back my brother, Young Z, Zach Saloom, for his fifth appearance on the podcast. Say what's up to the people. Hey, everybody. Stoked to be back. It's going to be a great night. Thanks for having me on again, boys. And uh, let's get this going. Yeah, so like we've already hinted at before, and you'll see in the title, we're bringing it back to grassroots in a sense of more interview style and um, a bit more of a serious talk on here, actually, where we actually have come with questions for you, Zach, to talk about your experience as an NCAA Div 1, not a big deal, athlete playing hockey at the um, Rochester Institute of Technology. So... Just a quick background on Zach. For those of you who don't know him, he played hockey uh, from a very young age, showed uh, prowess at the sport, and just rose through the ranks as the years went on at the highest level possible, which eventually culminated into a scholarship, like I mentioned earlier. So we're kind of going to go through that journey and talk about a lot of things that maybe a lot of people don't know about you and your experience working to get a scholarship and then getting to college and what that was like from behind the scenes back there. So I said a lot there, and we're going to break a lot of that down as we go further in the conversation. But where I wanted to start off was um, for you, Zach, a question, which is when exactly did you look at getting a scholarship for playing hockey as a real possibility? Hmm. All right. Well, first of all, thank you for all those kind words. It really means (laughs) a lot from my number one supporter. For all these years? Uh, well, okay. So to bring it back, I would have to say I was roughly 13, 14 when the uh, NCAA route really became an option because I was playing for the Eastern Ontario Wild at the time. And as a team, we were invited to do a school a trip to the University of Clarkson, just in uh, Potsdam, New York. So it's roughly two hours away just on the other side of the fair uh, of the border right through Cornwall there so really not uh, too far away and that was the first time I had ever heard of NCAA hockey I didn't know anything about it you know growing up here you hear all about uh, kids wanting to play in the OHL or in the queue and that makes a lot of sense but then we were introduced to this as uh, a kind of a foreign thing and uh, once we got there we quickly realized that these guys are treated just as good as professionals are. The facilities are unbelievable. The atmosphere is ridiculous. You know, we went through all the uh, training that they go through, and then uh, we were actually lucky enough to uh, watch a game. It was actually a... um, a rivalry game against St. Lawrence, which was something because these two schools only reside uh, 45 minutes apart. So there as both, uh, both schools had uh, large crowds and both bands were there. So the atmosphere was just electric. And then from that moment on, I was like, 
my God, I really want to play college hockey. Hmm. And uh, I didn't really look back from there. <laughs> I really had my set, sights uh, set on that. And uh, it really uh, opened my eyes to what's going on on the other side of the border for uh, college sports. I had no idea, first of all, like the NCAA was, you said, as serious as the NHL and treated like that. I had no idea. That's crazy. Um, I just want to bring it back. Okay, I'm going to talk about my experience actually watching you play hockey when I always knew you were a great hockey player. But then when you when you played junior, that's when I was like, oh, shit, like this is the real deal. Like Zach is on another level and watching you play like for the grads. Can we can we touch on just like how how hard was it? Like, how was the grind as a junior junior A player? And how did that like set you up for like the NCAA or applying for that? Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, like you said, it really was a grind because especially for mo- someone as my, with my stature as defenseman standing in at five foot seven. And at the time when I was getting recruited to play junior, A, I was 155 pounds soaking wet. So not exactly the biggest guy, especially for a defenseman. So it was uh, difficult to make sure that I could prove to uh, not just myself, but everybody evaluating me that I did belong there so I was able to have a couple of great years finishing my minor hockey career with the Eastern Ontario Wild and take that momentum that we had from great championship teams to my first training camp junior A and I'll never forget it there was guys there that you know now that I'm 26 and I'm looking back and I'm looking at 20 year olds they look like kids but when I was 16 years old these guys looked like fully grown men compared to me Mm -hmm. guys with uh, full beards and whatnot so I was like okay this is a little intimidating but once you get on the ice and you just start skating next to them and I was skating just as fast if not faster than I'm like all right all right sure they look a little (laughs) older they're a little bit bigger but you know what it's just hockey just gotta stick to what I know what I can do right and uh, put myself in a position to be successful and uh, that's just as simple as that how it started for me you know I made the team out of camp as a 16 year old in Gloucester then after a year a bit there, I was able to uh, get traded to Navin, my homegrown team, which was pretty cool for me playing for the minor grads as a child and then turning that into a junior A career for the uh, Navin grads. And uh, from there on, I got a lot of success in Navin. I was named team captain at a young age as an 18-year-old and really expanded my leadership role, which was tremendous not only as a hockey player, but as a person as well. And uh, so many experience in juniors, it's kind of hard to just talk about very briefly as Mm -hmm. we want to get through to some other things here. But uh, so many countless memories that I've made with uh, other athletes and uh, coaches and whatnot. So, no, it was to, to bring it back to the original question, you know, it really molded me properly in the junior ranks to allow myself to compete at the NCAA level. And I wouldn't have been able to do that if it wasn't for all the great people that I met in uh, juniors. Oh, great answer, Zach. I have probably one last question on the junior A route, which was a lot of what you've, and I've seen obviously firsthand living with you and at our parents' house, but a lot of your experiences in hockey have been met with, like resilience is one of the greatest uh, attributes I would uh, give you in your whole career because like you said at times looked at as someone who may be okay well he's not six foot three is he what we want on the back end when you've proven time and time again to be one of the top if not top defensemen in your class 
So how was that grind after you had many great years in junior hockey trying to get a scholarship and it did take maybe a bit more time than you anticipated that it would when you were going through those years of showing that you belonged and not only belong, but were excelling. Like how was that mentally for you um, to go through that and not get a scholarship after your first few years of like when you already started getting a lot of success in the league? Yeah, I know that. Uh, that was a tough one. Not going to lie. There's a lot of moments where I was doubting myself and questioning like, man, is there anything else I need to do here? I feel like I've done it all. Why I'm, especially when I'm looking at other guys that I was competing with and I knew I was a better player than them. I was working harder, but for some reason, they're the ones getting all these opportunities. They're getting scholarships. And, uh, and even beyond that, like they were getting recognition to go play for the Team Canada East Junior A at the Junior A level while I was having a better season than them or I was producing more. So there was a lot of moments. I'll never forget this, actually. Um, once when that team that I just mentioned, uh, the training camp got released for who was invited. And I was looking through the list thinking I would get an invite and I didn't. And I saw other players from my league that did. And I was just furious. I called my coach. I texted my dad. I'm like, dad, like I, I kind of said it in a joking way, but I was kind of serious. Too. I'm like, I'm quitting hockey. And uh, I was 18 at the time and having like a breakout year. And my dad just like, didn't like say much about it. He just said, don't ever say that again. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? That's, that's just what I needed to hear. And then my coach called me too. He knew like that I was pissed. He's like, Zach, there's a lot of politics involved. Don't worry about all these little things, you know, stick with it. You got a lot of people on your side, helping you out. You're putting like you're, the product is there. People are going to realize it. And funnily enough, the following year, I did get invited to go try out at this Eastern Canada Cup. And that's actually where I was recruited from RIT. To, that was where they first saw me, first invited me to the school. And then uh, that's how it all happened. So just one year after, I was like in the biggest fury of my life, wanting to quit hockey. Everything kind of came came together for me. So uh, just, yeah, time and time again, just you got to believe in yourself and uh, know that the people are there with you. and. Uh, just keep uh, fighting, being the little bulldog that he can be. That's cool. No, very well said. And like all those experiences too made you an even better player and stronger person too, to know that like, okay, an L eventually you can flip and add a few other lines too to make a W. And that's exactly what happened. You bulletin board material. And um, I do remember actually, I'm pretty sure anyways, watching you in that tournament when I was in England think you were lighting it up i made a couple of videos on instagram of you some music on there i remember <laughs> yeah. you sniping oh, yeah. a couple of goals in that turn in that um weekend so no just you see hearing you say that again brought me back to when all these things were happening and yeah tough to go through as like obviously for you the most and then us as a family too there but uh in the end you got the last laugh so don't give up is the moral of the story. Yeah, absolutely. And especially now like that I'm entered just starting to get into the coaching game. I'm preaching that to the players that come through all these young 16, 17-year-old guys that get disappointed because they're cut from one team when they're like, like I said, 16, 17. I'm like, man, there's so much time to go. Don't get down. Just look, look in the mirror and say, hey, how can I be better? And how can I prove this person wrong? And then you come back next year way better. And then there, there's your shot. You're gone. Like, it's just, uh, 
as long as you believe in yourself, great things can happen. That's I truly believe that. Zach, what you just said was beautiful. Everything you said in the last five minutes, that applies to everything in life, really. Like, I just want all the listeners to know and you like this. This happens all the time and whether work or personal life, relationships, anything where you feel like you're at a low point and then things will get better if you believe it and you make it happen. And it's not by sitting on the couch and doing nothing. It's by you have to do Um like Dolly Parton said, if you're a if you're a dreamer, you better be a doer too. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, but Zach, Eric, you probably know this already. But like Zach, what was the the exact moment? Do you remember the day that you got like accepted into RIT, and how did you find out? Was it a phone call, a, an email? Like what was that moment of? Was it like instant jubilation? Like can you uh, describe that moment? Oh man, it was one of the best days of my life. Let me tell you, it's a pretty good story actually. <laughs> Um, so after this camp that I was just talking about there, the Eastern Canada cup, once I started talking to the assistant coach from Rochester Institute of technology, he, they're in contact with my parents after that, trying to get me to come down and visit the school. So it was an uh, early December, uh, Saturday that I was able, I had an off day from hockey and, uh, me and my, both my parents, we went down to Rochester. Eric was, uh, living in, uh, London, uh, in England at the time. So he couldn't make the trip down. Um, so we go down, uh, it, it's a roughly four and a half, five hour drive down from Otto. So it's pretty nice in that sense. We get there, we get a tour of the facilities, the rink, the gym, all first class state of the art. Mm. This building was truly amazing. It would seat 5,300 fans, have a nice little section for the band every home game with the students. Just electric, as is the theme of college hockey. Uh, Inside, the dressing room was beautiful. Once you walk in, there's like stalls. Um, Before you actually go into the dressing room, so just so you can take your jacket off, all that, your own personal little cubby. Um, and then there's the dressing room with everything you can possibly think of in there behind the dressing room. There's another room with like hot tubs, cold tubs, uh, (laughs) massage chairs, uh, any kind of medical (laughs) inclusions you have, uh, they're taking care of you there. So all of these things are walking in after playing in junior A rinks that are like, I don't know, 50, 60 years old and you got this tiny room. So you're walking in like literally, like I said earlier, you're like, this is what the pros must feel like because it's truly unbelievable. And like, I'm sure I'll talk about the facilities later. So that was just like half of what the room had to offer. So we go through that. I'm just in awe of everything. I meet all the players. They're there. They're actually getting ready for a game that night. So I got to sit in on their pregame meeting. So they're going through video in the dressing room and uh, I just sat next to one of my friends who's on the team and I had played with him the year prior in junior. So that was pretty cool that I got to share this moment with him who I knew really well. And then I went out for lunch with the coaches. We went just to this little place uh, right off campus there. We had lunch with the two assistant coaches, my parents and I. And then after we went back to the rink, went, uh, to upstairs there's like another restaurant for uh like all the not the owners but like the uh athletic uh, the director of athletics and a lot of like um higher up peoples of the school that have their little like private buffet so we got to have a pre-game dinner with them and meet all of them 
just before the game. So then we could sit down, enjoy the game, great atmosphere. It was like near exams and whatnot. So we couldn't really have the full experience because a lot of people were either finishing exams and going home or like studying. So it was still pretty cool. And then after the game, I met with the coaches again. And that's when they officially offered me the scholarship. And uh, I remember my buddy Sean who is the guy I played junior with who went to school there he's like looking into the room like what's going on in there like are they offering him is he gonna say yes so then I like looked at my parents they're like shaking their heads and they're like then I'm like yeah I know I'd love to come here I'd love to accept this offer so uh that was like 10,000 pounds off my back after that the guys are all waiting for me they take me out to the bar <laughs> we're uh, yeah. ready to go out for a great night there's just like this bar like there was a 10 minute walk from their uh, their apartment so i got to pre-drink with some of the guys we went out got a little too drunk considering that the next day i was playing <laughs> in nepean <laughs> at three o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> I got back to my hotel room at 2.30 in the morning, stumbling, trying to find my bed. My parents hear me like, Zach, are you okay? I'm like falling in the closet, couldn't, couldn't get to bed. And then, of course, I wake up like four hours after that because we had to drive back to Ottawa because I was playing in a game. And I get to Nepean. Everyone found out that I had committed. Everyone's so happy. I look into my coach's eye. He knows I'm either hungover or still drunk, and he's just super happy for me. He didn't care. He was just, you know what, go out there. First shift, I get an assist. After that, I was completely garbage. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was wow. quite the weekend. That's gold. No, I, I still wow. remember where I was when you called to tell me that you committed. Like, like you said, I was in England, and I was like over the moon just so happy for you. Like I knew I saw how much work you put into it. And like, I went to a lot of your games and saw the grind and uh, it was unbelievable to hear. I remember uh, I, like for me, it was like six, seven hours later there. So I was also a little tipsy and uh, was able to relish in your accomplishment <laughs> myself a little, even more an extra snooze and a beer as well. But uh, no, no, that's awesome. Just like all time story. I was waiting for you to say this, the falling in the closet. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah it's yeah. too good. Yeah, it's too good not to share. I'm not ashamed of it at all. It just uh, shows how good of a night I was. And then the rest of the year, you're able to kind of play, like you said, a little looser. Like you knew that was off a weight off your shoulders. Then you were able to go on a nice run after that too, like be traded to a contender and like go to more tournaments like how is that capping i guess i said i know i said we're maybe moving on from junior there but you were able to end your junior career with like a pretty big accomplishment which i think because you already had committed that coming back that next year it was able to be like even easier to do and not feel like you had to prove yourself again and maybe wouldn't have played as well that year and were able to contribute to a championship winning team if you had that in the back of your mind like was that a factor going into the last year of your junior career? Uh, after that, I just remembered, you know, all right, I'm here, but let's not keep the foot off the gas here. I wanted, the, I, I remember that summer going back to the league for my fifth year. I'm like, all right, you know what? Screw this. I'm not just going to be the best defenseman in the league. I'm going to be the best player in the league. And just, that was my goal. And I think from the beginning of the year, I 
put it to that standard. I was playing pretty lights out, and that's why all the interest was to have me going to a contending team, and both for the team itself that ended up that I ended up getting traded to, which were the Ottawa Junior Sens and Navin. It worked out well because they got a nice little haul coming back for me and uh, we were able to be successful enough in the playoffs you know to go on win the championship which was another unbelievable event that happened in my junior career then after that we were the host team of the eastern canada nationals and uh, we ended up winning that as well which was just you know keeping it going the role uh, yeah everything was going our way so we got to chilliwack in british columbia where we were uh, competing in the national tournament, National Junior A RBC tournament, which was just, first of all, what an experience to be able to fly out to Chilliwack in beautiful British Columbia to play hockey. We were there for a week. You know, everything was top of the line. Uh, Treatment was beautiful. Hockey was really competitive as you can imagine all the top teams from the country were competing and uh, we had a great showing you know we finished uh, third lost in the semis to the team that eventually went on to win and uh, I got zero regrets one of the best decisions I ever made was to ask for the trade and go to that team I made unbelievable friendships on that team memories were unbelievable and we can all I still talk to some of those guys and uh, we look back at it as uh, one of the best years of my hockey life for sure. I remember that now that you were talking about the BC, I remember like I was getting updates from my dad and, (laughs) you know, I'm sure your mom was texting him and all that updates. Uh, You said something really interesting, Zach. You're like, your last year you want to be the best player in junior. Like, does that mean like in the summer you're hitting the gym more? Like what's, what's, what's a hockey player got to do to like, cause I'm very ignorant in this, but like, is that like you hitting the ice every day? Is that you? going harder at the gym, mental stuff. Like, how do you, how does one do that? How did you do that? Prior to those, that final run, I was always on one of the weaker teams. So that meant the season, like we didn't even make, I made the playoffs once before my last year and we got swept. So I had four games of playoffs under my belt before my last year so that meant extremely long off seasons so luckily for me I had great trainers that were excited for me to come back to the gym and uh, start doing some uh, semi-personal training with them and for me I was uh, also working those summers I was working for my dad's company so I was out uh, out on the jackhammer my last couple of years of hockey so I would uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy, I guess. I was up at um, 5, 5.15 to get to the gym for like quarter to 6 to like warm up. And then the training started at 6. We would go for about an hour, an hour and 15. Then you're just exhausted because every day you're just giving it all you got. But unluckily for me, I had to get my ass up and go on a job site and go uh, chip concrete or haul garbage or whatever it was that day that I was doing on the job site so after that I can't say I was going on the ice all that much I was trying to go on once maybe twice a week but you're on the ice every single day during the hockey season so going back Mm -hmm. on the ice was the last thing I wanted to do it was you know it was a nice break for me to not have to put skates on because I did it every single day from September to uh, beginning of April 
So then after that, I'm wow. like, man, that's the last, like, of course you have to do it because if you don't, you're going to be a, a step behind, but I'm not in the belief that you need to be on the ice three, four times a week. And that's really going to make the difference. So that was mostly what my preparation was. And, you know, diet is obviously a big factor too. Mm. If you're drinking every other day because it's the summertime, well, it doesn't matter if you're putting in a lot of work, you're just going to lose all of that right away. So a lot of what you're putting into your body makes just as big of a difference as what you're doing uh, in the gyms and uh, besides that. So that was basically how I would keep my focus and keep my mind sharp for this summer. And uh, just, uh, you know, a few uh, skates uh, with some friends, too, to keep things light, too, just to make me remind me why I always loved hockey as well. And that's uh, really important. It's not just uh, something you do like as a job almost. You got to still uh, love the game. And that's why you keep going and keep fighting. Mm-hmm. So I guess segueing from one summer to the next which would be your last summer moving from junior to NCAA, which was also, I would I want to say your shortest summer because you went to Chilliwack mm-hmm. playing a lot of hockey, yep. like deep playoff run tournament tournament. And from what I remember, you left to go to um, Rochester in like early August or something. August well, 18th. Well before, yeah. Okay. Uh, Mid August. So well before yeah. the season started. Yes. So how was that summer like, and how did you feel like, as you were about to leave to like culminating to the end of your Oof, summer. That was, yeah, that, that summer was like none other. My, everything would got dialed up to 11 there because I was like, all right, I'm able to do this. I was able to be successful in juniors, but to be successful at college is like night and day, you know, because juniors, there's still like a wide variety of art. There's really good players. There's good players. There's mediocre players. Now there's only great players, fantastic players. There's a reason on our junior teams there was, two to four guys going division one now all right everyone's here everyone's a big name everyone's a big player you gotta be able to turn your game up to another level so I was still very uh, confident with who I was training with because they were training other great guys that had great careers in college or major juniors or even at the NHL level like I was training at the same with the same trainers as Mark Mathot so I was feeling pretty comfortable that they know what they were doing which they were And then uh, also throughout that summer, our head athletic trainer from RIT was frequently calling me, I'd say once every two to three weeks to find out how my training was going and who I was training with. Luckily for me, like I said, I had great trainers and the trainer from RIT knew that. So he would be talking to my trainer mostly just, hey, is this guy going to the gym every day? Is he staying (laughs) on top of his thing? Like... If I was slacking, wow. they would find out. So there was no there was no off time for me. And I remember actually that summer, I went to a cottage for Canada Day. And I was getting a call and it was a US number. And it was the head coach. And I'm like, all right, everyone shut up. Like I was in the car with everyone. I'm like, all right, like coach just called me. I don't know what the hell is going on. Like I'm freaking out. And then he was just like super casual like hey how's it going you know i hope your summer's going well we're really excited about this year like just the quickest chat i'm like oh okay all right i'm good (laughs) nothing uh, nothing too bone chilling or anything gonna happen there it's just uh, funny how like you have that nervous energy because it's your first year you know you're moving away too which is something i had never done and uh, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of a lot of good not anxious just good um, positive energy and like you know nerves flowing through that entire summer 
you just said, Zach, it was your first time away, like living away from home. Did you love it? Did you like the freedom? But also like when you got there, how much freedom did you actually have? Did you have like a strict itinerary by like the hockey, the like by the team? And was it like you got to do all these? Was it like pretty strict? But yeah, first of all, like how was that freedom? And did you like living more independently? Okay. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question because, you know, like I was saying, it's top class uh, facilities and schools. So you'd think it'd be like pretty lenient that they're on top of it. But you know what? They treat us like adults. They make sure we stay on top of our things once we're at the school. And uh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I got there. I Luckily, I knew one of the roommates from a tournament I had played with. A little bit of a crazy story. I'll say it very briefly. Um, when I was 14, I played in this tournament with players from a little all over Canada in Europe. And uh, one of the guys from that team ended up being my roommate in college. So we reunited six, seven years later. So I was wow. pretty happy to, to know that he was going there with me because we had really clicked at that tournament. So then when we got there together, we're like, man, like what are the odds that we're going to the same school <laughs> at the same year? And we're roommates like this is nuts. So yeah. that really helped because, OK, I know him. And then he knew one other guy. So we were pretty close right from the get go. But also just the class of freshmen we had, we were insanely close from from day one. You know, we we all got there. We we're all super excited. We went for lunch. I'll never forget it to uh, to that one restaurant where we'd go all the time. It was like some Irish pub. And uh, so we went for lunch there and it just kind of started from there. You know, everyone was super easy going. Everyone was rooting for each other once the season got going and all that. So that really helped everything off. But then just to answer your other question too, just for our schedule at the beginning, we didn't have school yet. So we had a lot of free time and there's like an NCAA rule where you weren't allowed to have official practices before a certain date. I can't tell you exactly what, mm. what the date was, but when we got there, we were allowed to work out at our own times and we were allowed to skate as a group, but it was what you call a captain, um, captain's practice. So it was just like all the older guys running it, but it wasn't practices. We were just having full on games. And let me tell you, these games were a <laughs> war. Like right from the get go, we, I was like, all right, holy shit, I'm in it. Like there, there's no like, oh, I'm going to try this dangle. Like, no, no, you keep your head up because someone's going to try to hit you. <laughs> Even if you're on the <laughs> same team, they know that this is a competition and we're all here to make each other better. So we're not going to let you just screw around on the ice. So right from the get go, those first practices you're like holy sh okay here we are this is the real deal i'm not in juniors just like chucking a sauce from across the ice and not giving a <laughs> not giving anything any cares about it like you're in it so uh so that was very eye-opening right from the get-go and then after that after the practices were done for the first couple of weeks before school started and practices really started we had so much time for bonding. All we were doing is like, all right, we're hanging out. We're going to go over here. All the older guys are showing us, you know, kind of the ropes. Like, all right, this is usually what we do. We go hang out here. There's like some outdoor pools we could go to. There's cornhole by the pools there. And then all the women's teams starting to go get there too. So we're meeting them. We're meeting all the freshmen class too. And we're all going through it for the first time together. And then there's like different theme parties that are going on and, uh, 
just so much team bonding in those first two, three weeks that you're just like, all right, this is really going to be, even though it seems like it's very competitive on the ice, once you're off the ice, you're like, man, everyone really cares for each other. It's really a close family here. And uh, it really was. That's exactly how I could describe it. Yeah, no, well said, Zach. And like that's a, an extra layer that you get, or perk, I guess, that you get with like the NCAA in that, you're not just there for the schooling, obviously, which is very fortunate to have through your sport, but then you also get like that closeness that a regular college student doesn't really get unless they somehow find like a great group of people that they mesh with, like anywhere in life really there. But in this situation, you're like kind of not forced to, but you're going to spend a bunch of time with these people. Like eventually you're all going to get close and normally you're all kind of same kind of people coming there for the same reason a lot of what you said made me think of when I got to England like as we got there a week and a half before class started and not only that but a a full week before any other student got on campus so we had the full campus all international students around 50 to maybe 60 or so students and just like team building stuff and like not obviously we're just coming from different countries there we're not, and then we're all going to go on our separate ways, but that's what kind of unites us is that we're all international students. So we get to spend time together, get to learn from each other's cultures. And, uh, that's how you make friends with that time alone to bond and activities and, uh, yeah, getting to navigate through the facilities and, uh, not everyone else has that opportunity. So it's not something to take for granted when you're in that situation. Yeah, no, that's exactly how it is. Cause then when school did start up, you could tell other freshmen were kind of walking by themselves, not really knowing anybody. And mm. it's, I'm sure, like, I don't want to assume anything, but I feel like it must have been kind of intimidating for them just seeing this pack of, like, I don't know, everywhere. You could see, like, seven, eight, maybe ten of us just walking around. And, like, other than myself and maybe a few other guys, most of these guys are, like, six two, six three. So it's not your average size guy <laughs> right. just walking around, like, joking, being loud, getting to class and just feeling super relaxed where everyone else is, like, all right, like, I'm in college. Like, I need to pay attention. Not that we didn't. That's not what yeah. I'm saying. But it's, like, we're just on a different <laughs> level of just, like, being comfortable with each, with each other right from the get-go rather than those first couple of weeks where you're still, like, gauging what's going on, really. Also, like both of us were older when we went to college. Like, and like as yep. a tr- university international student, I was twenty-two. You were twenty. Yeah. So, like that does help as well. Like where you're coming from, like your background as having you had you'd done some schooling as well, leading up to mm-hmm. going to school for um, hockey. But you also had those experiences, like like you said, being a captain, playing competitive sports. And being in a lot of situations that a lot of like true freshmen, 18, 17, 18 years old, they just don't have. Yeah. So it makes for an even more intimidating yeah. experience. Whereas like I was with people who were even older than me, like my oldest roommate was 25 as an international student. So like you're like, much older and you just see it too. Like, like you said earlier, when we were talking about the <laughs> like 17 year old kids playing junior, like they look extremely young compared mm-hmm. to you, right? Yeah. Not that I look old yeah. really by any means when I was there, but it, it does make a huge difference and uh, was nice for, I, like, I don't know how I would have been if I was 18 years old traveling abroad. I would have for sure been extremely intimidated, like more than I already was, but that quickly turned to uh, excitement and uh, comfort by being with a different group of people. 
But like I've already said on the pod, like going there at 18, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm for sure way more nervous than I was when I got there, which probably the same for you. Yeah. I was just going to say that's so relatable for me. Like I was, I was actually 21. Okay. So I was, yeah, I went through a lot, you know, I've met a lot of people throughout my years and juniors so that, and all of us kind of went through this, like the youngest our our team was 20. So all of us were a little older. We've had a lot of experiences and a lot of similar experiences, which allowed us to gel even faster. And, uh, actually one of the other guys from my freshman class was captain of the team that knocked me out in the semifinals in the national tournament in Chilliwack and he ended up winning so uh just another quick thing like somehow like this guy was playing in Chilliwack and now and I was in Ottawa and now we're we ended up being roommates together in the following year so it's just crazy how like the the hockey world like that is so it seems massive but it's so quickly connected and we're ended up at the same place and playing in this uh school together that is just uh no it was pretty wild to to see how quickly we can uh, be all so similar awesome um i see it all the time in movies and tv zach like is it true for real life as well? Or were you, as hockey players, like the kings of the school? Did you get special treatment on campus? What was it like in the classroom? Did people know who you were, like, right away? Maybe you had, like, the jacket, the, the logo. Like, were, how <laughs> yeah, was campus no. life as a no, hockey player? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a super valid question. You know, obviously, you see it in TV, especially, like, when it's, like, football, because those are the big mm-hmm. uh, U.S. sports. But uh, what was very neat about our school is that at RIT the hockey program was the only division one program in its sports so all the other sports were division three so right there it kind of leads into like okay the hockey players are at least at least in the teacher's eyes they're like wow you guys are playing a division one sport like that's unbelievable I don't know what the other students like I never would have asked like yo I play division one what do you think it's like whatever but you could just tell in the when I when they when they found out who we were like we'd have to say like oh by the way we're out of town this weekend they're like oh why I'm like oh, I'm on the hockey team like, oh my god that's unbelievable like, oh, okay thank you and then once they found out you could tell the teachers were just like super happy to see me at every class and yeah, maybe there's a little preferential treatment like I got a few hundred percents <laughs> on, on some uh, papers that I don't think I got many of those in high school so like maybe they're just like all right you know what this guy he's very committed to schooling as in he's here every class and like still participating like I would make a point Especially for me, I had no no other hockey players with me in my classes. So I was like, all right, I'm not just going to be like quiet. I'm going to make a point to like, all right, I'll talk to other people in my class and I'll talk to the teachers when they're asking questions or when we're talking about certain books that we're reading. So I think they just really like that. And if you showed that you cared and you put in an effort, maybe they'd be a little more flexible. It definitely felt like that to me because like I said, it's not like I was the it's not like I was stupid. I definitely still did well in school, but I felt like, okay, maybe they're helping me out just, just a little bit. And, uh, yeah, we did, uh, we did definitely did all have jackets and hoodies and school bags and pants and <laughs> anything you could think of. They made sure they hooked it up for us. Like when you get there first day in your stall, there had our, uh, 
our school bag, our travel bag, our jacket, hoodie, uh, workout shoes, shorts, uh, Under Armours. And that's not even including all the equipment we get also, which from head to toe, we're wow. fully covered. Custom skates. And that was the first time I've ever had the Bauer rep come take moldings of my feet to make sure that my skate was fitting like a glove on my foot. And uh, as many wow. sticks as you were breaking, they're like, all right, we got a few more with your custom curve on it, with your name written on the stick, which was a huge flex that I still like to bring to my beer league games. Like, oh, you, you got your name on your stick over there, but no, nah, stop chirping me. <laughs> <laughs> I got a salute. That's amazing. Curve. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, um, yeah, just to bring it back, uh, they they definitely treat their athletes a little different but i wouldn't say it's like the movies like obviously they take that to a whole other level there especially for the schooling it's not like we got nerds doing homeworks for us (laughs) or stuff like that (laughs) like that's just completely made up who knows maybe like in penn state for the football team because they draw like a hundred thousand fans and they can do whatever they want, but uh, for a still smallish Division One hockey program, we don't have uh, nerds uh, making our papers and whatnot. So obviously, you mentioned that you got a couple hundred percents on assignments, but how is it like balancing the home, li- the school life, and hockey life as well? Well, that's the thing. That's why I, I was saying like that teachers were very happy because we did have extremely demanding schedules and a lot of players didn't go to classes all that often. Like, especially like at our school, this wasn't the case, but you hear of top prospects from the NHL that go to, they're going to like Boston U, North Dakota, whatever for one year. They know they're going there for one year and they're purely there to get better as a hockey player. They're not going to classes and making their like, full curriculum around like oh this is i want to be like an accountant when i'm done here so it's like no they're gonna just do whatever they want they're not going to much classes but for us a lot of us are like wow this is a great way for us to get an unbelievable education so we still need to put in the effort you know we still have a full as many classes as everybody else at the school is going through we had six classes a semester we had practice every day from two to four we had to be there an hour before for video we had a workout after every practice so you know and then once we're on the road for the season we're leaving most thursday nights or sometimes even thursday morning depending how far we're traveling whether it's on a bus or on a plane so we got a lot of travel and we're still it's not like they're giving us extensions for assignments everything's done online for the most part so they're like no you can work on a bus you can work what however wherever you are in the country so there's still that major balance that not that many people realize like all right sure we do have fun when we can but it's not like it's not even close to every night. It's maybe every, like once a month, we'll say, because we still have something going on or games going on. No, it's uh, movies make it seem like you're just there to party. <laughs> and that's not at yeah, all yeah. the reality. In junior, you were like, we talked about, or you talked about earlier, you were captain in junior. You were a leader. You had leadership. 
what was that like going to the like switching over to the call to the like rot the rit dressing room like what was it weird zach being like you were the all like one of the older players a leader and now like you're one of the youngest guys like you said and you're not necessarily going to be talking too too much in the dressing room i'm guessing like what was the what was the comparison like yeah Zach? no that's uh, that was that was a quick change and like you have to adapt too because it's true like you said like i'm not coming in if we're having a bad period like hey wake the hell up like do this do that yeah. like which it wasn't necessarily something i did in juniors but i could if i really needed to when it was in an ugly game but the good thing about it too was that maybe 80% of the guys in that dressing room were captains where they were juniors or they were assistants at some point. So most of them uh. were all where I was. So they knew like, Hey, like if I did say something, which, you know, at the rare times I did, even if I was a rookie, like not to the whole room, but I would like say it to a couple of guys next to me or like a couple of other defensemen, they would respect it because they know, Hey, he was still like a captain and he, like we were when he, we were in his age and juniors. So it's like, you still got to accept the fact that you are a rookie now and you can't just be running your mouth. Like, because I know how that was when rookies came in and did that. And it just drives you crazy. You're like, all right, know your place still. And that's what we would make sure to do. But there, there's kind of like a sweeter balance in there because we're also adults, like I said earlier. We're not just like a yeah. 16, 17-year-old rookie. We're a 21-year-old rookie. So it's not like we're going to be saying stupid, like nonsense. We probably have a point. But the 24, 25-year-old is also thinking like, all right, you can say once every like month, but let's just <laughs> keep it at that. I don't need to hear you say something every shift there, rookie. So there's a fine line you have to balance. And uh, you learn that pretty quickly, too, that uh, if you do say something, they'll still respect it. And like, all right, you still know what you're talking about. So we can still uh, let you have a little bit of leeway there. <laughs> Great question, man. Like, good to, like, it's true, right? Like, that's just how it goes in life. Um, at one point, you're the top dog. And then, like, you got to kind of start, not from the bottom necessarily, but like, you get down a knot and then rise back up and then that would also apply in like your experience in the league playing like how was that I know you mentioned that in practice you saw I was like okay like we're not messing around even in practice how was it like in games now playing NCAA like atmosphere um, and then obviously the level of talent on the ice like the game speed like how much of a notch higher was it than uh, junior it's kind of an unfortunate situation that happened to me going back to talking how intense the practices were we had like these very intense inner squad games leading up to the season and two weeks before the season started in the fight like we we had two teams and it was a best of seven series so it was game seven in this inner squad little session and it was an overtime and they had a three-on-one coming down on me. The guy's taking me wide, drops it back to the third guy. So I dive in front of him, take the shot, block it on the side of my leg. The bench erupts, like everyone's fired up. And of course, like this is another situation. Like if I'm a veteran player, I'm not laying down my body, but I'm a rookie. I'm like, all right, I want to show these guys I care and I can do this. I'm not afraid. So I do it. I, <laughs> I feel this terrible pain in my leg. I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, all right, just get up, skate off. Just, you know, the boys are fired up. We end up going down where we win the game. So everyone's like super pumped. I'm like getting a lot of love. I 
get back on the ice i can barely move my foot like my leg my foot is not responsive like it was just limping i'm like all right whatever i've had these like like, little weird things happen to me before let's just get off the ice celebrate the win with the boys and uh, move on next day i wake up my foot is just hanging there like i cannot raise my foot so what how long story short i go to the doctors hospital take an mri there's nerve damage in my leg i'm out for two months <laughs> so that's how i started my college career by taking a shot in practice and having to watch eight week or six weeks of games just itching clawing to try to get out there and uh, finally get there my parents are actually down for the weekend and i am just like unable to stand still so jacked up it was a big home game like i said my parents were there it was like parents weekend so all the family was down there everyone's super excited the team is happy for me too because they're like wow this kid just went through a terrible injury now he's finally playing in his first game and uh i I had a shot i was like playing on the second power play unit too had some good looks you know i was I'll, I'll never forget that game. I remember I had like three shots, which I was like, man, like, is this going to happen every game? Like, and at this time, no other freshman had scored on our team. So then everyone's like, man, Zach's going to come in and just get the first goal. And I really thought I was going to because I was the only one playing on the power play. And I'm like, oh, this could happen. But anyways, I didn't. And uh, it was just a good game. You know, I had, uh, I don't know, like maybe six, seven, maybe eight minutes of ice time, something like that, which was very good for like a freshman D playing in his first game, especially since it was already into the season. So a lot of other players were playing a lot. And uh, yeah, nothing like I played in big games in juniors, but I was just so confident in myself that like I had no Mm. nerves or I was just ready for the moment. But this game, it was like, this is the start of something new and like, let's get ready for it. And I'll, I'll always remember that feeling. It was just, all right you're in a way bigger league now just uh, make sure you show up here and don't look too stupid and i was proud with my uh, my efforts zach was it hard to swallow like playing all these minutes you know in junior and then like coming in and only playing eight or you had already been prepared because you knew it was the big leagues like the NCAA, yeah like right? i saw what was going on with the other freshmen like so mm-hmm. I, w- I had time to adapt to it and um uh, but then as the year went on and i was playing a little bit more but if other d's weren't playing as well my coach had trusted me to play a little bit more so there are some games where i was getting almost an average shift and i was feeling on top of the world I'm like man like this is only going to go up from here so i was able to build that confidence i was starting to get a few points i got my first goal which was that's such such a cool experience it was on the road unfortunately but still you know i you know no one can take that away from me i scored in division one goal so that was always a cool moment and yeah just you know Mm -hmm. as the year went on got a little bit more minutes here playing with more confidence more poise with the puck and uh you know it's just like a snowball effect but a hundred percent when you're going from playing like close to 30 minutes a game in juniors to playing like six seven eight minutes you have to be like, how can I still be effective? How can I not cost the team within this such limited role? And it's just, you you pick up on that on practice. Like, all right, I know I only have this short amount of time on the ice to do something. So there's never a time I cannot be 
ready for it on the bench it's like always stay fully committed to the game because if you start if you let your mind go away you look around there's like some pretty girls behind you which you know it's college there's a lot of pretty girls everywhere you can easily get distracted but no you really have to stay in the moments because at any time you just have to realize hey he's going to call your name some point be ready to go and that's how I really just kept my mind ready for every game that I got to play in that year okay now, like now, we're kind of coming up to a close on maybe the first year in college. I do want to touch on like we, we kind of talked about it first there, but getting more depth of like that adjustment to living away from home for the first time. Like obviously, you had a great support system in like three guys who you got very close with, like all other freshmen that you lived right. You lived with Petruch and or I guess you lived with Kobe and Will. No, nope, the second year, second year. I I lived right. with Petrucci. Um, Merritt, Ozzy, and uh, Spencer, okay. our uh, team manager. Uh, yeah. That adjustment, though, to living on your own now, first time away from home, like making food, laundry. Um, do you have to also get like your own bank account out there? Like, how is that tr- whole transition like? Was yeah. It kind of overwhelming? Okay. No, that's that's a good question because uh, so one of the first things I did was get myself like a, an American phone plan which was dirt cheap, first of all. Unlimited everything for like 38 bucks a month with, um, and it was, I was able to use it Canada, US, Mexico, which here you like, you would never think of that. That's not possible here in Canada. Anyways, so that was one of the first things I did. Another thing is, yes, I had to open up a bank account. I went to uh, Bank of America, uh, which is like the, uh, partnering a branch with the Scotiabank. So I was able to wire some money back and forth, no problem, get myself a credit card, debit card, uh, which for the first year wasn't like that bad because I wasn't like paying rent or anything because I was still living in an apartment on campus. So that was just through like the yearly funds that uh, I had to pay. And then... But yes, cooking, huge, uh, huge culture shock going from living at home, having (laughs) everything done for me, laundry, all of that. And um, you know what? I want to say not to toot my own horn here, but I did a pretty, pretty good job uh, just being able to transition pretty quickly because you realize very quickly that if I'm not doing this, nobody's doing it. So I just got to get on with it and start learning how to do these things. Luckily I had, you know, my mom who I, whenever I had a question, she was on the phone right away talking to me like, all right, I like, how, how do I cook this? Like, come on, yeah. give me, give me a hand here. I need some recipes. I need the, the basic stuff. Just get me going and I'll survive here. And that's basically how I managed those first couple of weeks. And then from there laundry, you know, pretty simple doing dishes, all of that. It's fine. But another perk of being on the hockey team was, okay, Thursdays, the night before a game, we're getting fed. Friday, the whole day, we're getting, we're getting three meals. Saturday, game day, again, we're getting fed the whole time. Then, so really, we just had to worry about food Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then like Thursday breakfast. So that's a huge game changer. And like it was like unlimited quantities of food so like sometimes we're taking back so much room from saturday that okay i don't need to cook sunday (laughs) it's like yeah we had a lot of perks and in the dressing room we had our own little snack room so after the rink we got protein shakes protein bars uh fruits 
So you know, it's uh, we had we had a lot uh, a lot offered to us that you know we take full advantage, and uh, it definitely helps out for that moving experience for the first time. So it's like, all right, it's not all falling on your shoulders. You got a lot of people you can lean on, a lot of people helping you out, which was uh, unbelievable. Uh, Zach, how how strict are they? Were they at RIT? Like, was when you're training in the gym, are they like expecting you to like elevate your you know, the amount of weight or the reps, like, are they, is it, was there a lot of pressure to like keep doing better every month? And also like a nutritionist there saying like, no, you got to eat these foods and you can't have junk or like how strict were they in that regard? So they're pretty strict in, so what was cool, which is like pretty high end too. every practice and game, actually, we had um, heart rate monitors on so that they know what's going on for both practice games and also when we're working out so they know like all right this is you know this is what's going on for him every certain workout so randomly he's like dead today oh he probably didn't sleep much last night or he did something he shouldn't have so they're tracking you in that that way also before and after every practice and games we're weighing ourselves into this like you know, not super, super high end, but this scale that's like connected to an iPad. So it's like, all right, you click on your number and it's like, all right, Isaac, you know, you put your weight in or you step on the scale, it calculates your weight. Then three hours later, I'm doing it after practice and workout. So it's like, all right, you just lost this amount of fluid. You need to go like drink all these electrolytes or protein shake or whatnot. So there's these tools to help you, but they're not, and, and also they're also seeing what your body weight is at. And, you know, they're seeing you like, um, in the gym. So if you're looking a little tubby, they're going to find out pretty fast. Um, (laughs) but, uh, they're not so strict as like, Hey, you can't eat this or you can't do this. Like they have no idea what you're eating away from the rink they can make suggestions and, if you wanted to, like, I remember my first year, the trainer he offered, he's like, Hey, like I can make you guys, like I can meal plan for you. I can make a plan for you based on your height and weight, what your goal is. And I did that, which was amazing. Like this guy was just top notch world-class guy. Just, he would always go the extra mile for us doing stuff like that. Like, Hey, you guys want to work, be better athletes. I'll help you in any way I can. And that was one of the ways he just made these meal plans for us all individually based saying like, all right, Zach, five, eight, hundred. And like, then I was like 170 pounds. This is how much you should be eating. This is what you should be eating at these times of the day before certain after workouts or practices. So you can kind of be as strict as you want, but it's not necessarily them being intensely strict on you for the food aspect. Now for the weights, they would only really care about the weights at the start of the year, at the end of the year, both when you're first coming, like, at, so yeah, at the start and the end of the year, because you're doing like the, a training, a fitness day to see what you're doing during the summer. So during the year, it's not necessarily about weights because you're just maintaining what you did over the summer. And like, there's just so much hockey going on that you can't get. All right. I'm not like getting a bigger bench press during the season because we're using so much energy just playing hockey but during the summer if at last year's uh, test day i did like 
two two oh five. Well, then the next year I better be doing two twenty five, and that's when they really looked at it. it's like, all right, you progressed in all of these, but you didn't progress in this. So like, what were you doing during the summer? That's when they're really strict about the weights. Interesting. Okay, no, that's a great breakdown. Like I had no idea it was like this. Really, like the behind the scenes yeah. with the nutrition <laughs> and conditioning side of things there. So now. Yes, if we keep going just chronologically here, coming up on going into your next year into college. So now, like, can I just bring it back really quickly? Yeah, Yeah, I just there's just something I don't want to leap over. It's just I was talking about some of the great hockey experiences I had, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Atlantic hockey tournament that we qualified for, being one of the top teams in our division my first year. can't remember i don't think you were in town for this game we were playing niagara which is another kind of rival team because they're pretty close to us they're like only an hour an hour and 15 away from us but the tournament was in buffalo which for both of us was really close buffalo was 45 minutes from rochester and i think only like 30 minutes from niagara so that rink it was a little bit smaller and maybe held like 3,500 people. That was the loudest game I've ever played in. The two bands going head to head. It was the semis. It was a 1-1 game going into overtime. I remember like I, I played, you know what, maybe like 12 minutes that game. Overtime came. I'm like, no way in hell I'm stepping on the ice. I do not want to be the reason that some of these seniors are never playing hockey again for the rest of their lives. I'm like... <laughs> And, like, it was just the way it was. Like, I was, like, you know, the coach is, like, Saloom, you're up. I'm, like, okay, I did one shift, and I was fine. And then after that, I think it was just, like, an understanding. Like, all right, like, you know what? Let's just let's let it let the game play out. And we ended up losing that game. And it was – I still can see from my point, my angle on the bench, like, one of our defensemen just, like – whiffing on the puck and going behind them and then we had our three senior forwards on the ice like trying to back check and puck went in and I've never seen so many guys crying in my life uh, and like how I, I was misty and it was my first year I'm like man you're looking at all these guys they're just crushed and it was just such a I'll, I'll use it again electric game so many i remember in the warm-ups i've never felt like more of a rock star ever there's so many rit people there and a lot of people i knew from like like i remember there was like the women's volleyball team was there which we were close because one of our teammates sister was on the team so we knew them a lot the men's lacrosse team had a lot of guys there and we were close with them too and then just other sports teams were there other students were there the band was there everyone was cheering in the warm-ups i was like man like this is this is this is the dream right here like you're feeling like you're playing in the show and it was too bad that we lost but i just i had to mention that game because that was the coolest game i've ever played in no no for sure and i'm glad wow. you did man i do now that you say i do remember that game watching at home was it a double ot game or? i think it was a double ot yeah, game i think yeah. so and it was a 1-1 game and i remember like in the second period i like had a shot from the point and then the goalie made the save and our, one of our guys almost like put it in so i'm like man like i could have gotten an assist Quick in like apple. one of the biggest games yeah. ever but didn't work out anyways i just there's so many things about that game like i got a penalty in that game too and like <laughs> And like it was, it was offsetting penalties, and I was like, kind of like 
punching a guy and whatever. So I had to take my bucket off in the penalty box. You know, that typical douchebag, just like take your bucket off, look at the crowd, like fix your hair. And I was like, all right, I'm just taking it <laughs> all in. Look. Yeah. And like, there's like some people I knew like around the boxes and they're like banging on the window. I'm like, all right, just stay focused, like yeah. spray some water in the face, whatever, just play it off. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a cool moment for sure. Wow. I know. That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah. What I was going to say is basically for like going into your next year. So obviously you're more comfortable, like you know what to expect. You're now moving into a house with the three guys that we mentioned earlier. So a little off campus to mm-hmm. more comfortable and like knowing what it is to live away from home. You have a bigger bed too. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. Oh home. yeah. First year I was on the single. That was, that was tough. Sharing a room with a guy too, which yeah. was, uh, not the best. We made it work, whatever. But yeah, yeah. got some privacy back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, how was that like going into the second year? A little more comfortable oh, yeah. everywhere else too? Way more comfortable. And just pure excitement of seeing everybody again. Like the first year, there's that good nervous energy. But now it's like, all right, I'm going to see all my boys again. I'm fired up. And, and like you said, we're away from campus. We got a full house to ourselves. Yeah, we got all, all our own rooms. Uh, and the sweet situation that we had, we had five homes all one lined up one next to the other for the hockey team off campus. So this mm. was where I would spend most of my time the prior year, but now I actually lived in one of these homes. So it was perfect. And uh, a lot more freedom in that sense too, because you're off campus. A couple of us had cars, so we could use that as much as we wanted to. And just like you're hopping from house to house throughout the day, going to see whoever you want to hang out with. You're not really just stuck with all the other freshmen because those are the only ones who are actually living on campus. So that was an unbelievable experience in itself. And also now you're not the freshman, you know, there's other new guys coming in and now you can relate to them like oh yeah i remember last year how it was and like (laughs) okay you're gonna love this week we're gonna do this this type of party there's this type of events you're gonna meet all these people so you're feeling their excitement flashbacking of what happened to you the previous year uh there's just so many great moments in those first couple of weeks when you get back to school get back to seeing all all of your friends excited to get that going again and getting back on the ice with them competing with everyone i was uh it was a good start to the year and you're just couldn't wait to get things going. So now do you want to get into like the last year of college for you? Yeah. How that was yeah, like. sure. So, uh, just give us a breakdown of how your last semester at school went down, which was going into your second year. Yeah. So, yeah, no. So it was, it was tough. Obviously um, I, I was going through a lot. Well, the thing that really set me back, was the injury that started my college career right from day one although I was able to come back and play and I felt play pretty good I know I never skated the same way I used to in juniors that's just a fact there's never one bit of me that felt as confident skating around out there I was still able to skate around and stay at a level where I could play college hockey but that was mostly because I could think the game at that level not necessarily skate that way because I still have pain in my leg and like almost every day. Like if you see this video, I'm like constantly rubbing my hip because my leg just shoots it up. And there's stuff that you go through just for any guy playing like up until his twenties. So that's why I put so much respect for 
professional hockey players because their bodies, every single one of them is going through something. But anyways, that's for another time. Um, so I was going through a lot and uh, I was expecting to have an elevated role because I had still a very successful freshman year. I had the third most points as a freshman on the team uh, out of eight of us. So I was really happy with that. Not that points is everything, but it was just, you know, a good little confidence booster. And I was like, all right, going into my second year, I know I can outplay some of these older guys if I, like, I bring everything I got, even if I'm like a little hesitant with my leg. And then season started and I just never really got a shot. Coach was head over heels in love with a new freshman that came to town and you know all their you know we got along great I don't hate on him whatsoever uh he was a great player did I think I was as good as him maybe better maybe worse whatever it doesn't matter the coaches saw what they saw in him he was a big very powerful skater and they're like all right let's just let this kid have all the opportunities and unfortunately for me, that meant I wasn't playing much. I only played three games in that first semester. And I was really questioning why I decided to go to RIT in the first place. Was it really to follow my schooling, which I was studying criminal justice, which was, I think, something I really loved as a passion, but not as a career because I was very involved in my classes. But I'm like, what exactly do I want to do with this? And I couldn't justify con continuing it just to stay in school, even if hockey wasn't going the way I wanted it to. So maybe, OK, I just wanted to go to this school or wanted to go to NCAA to play hockey and the schooling wasn't exactly a right fit for me. So then I was just constantly thinking about this over and over again. But I had made so many great relationships, so many, like at the time, these were like my closest friends. I was living with these guys, spending every day with them. I was like, man, I don't think I'll be able to leave these guys. Like I remember talking to my brother, to my parents all the time, like, man, like I really don't know what to do. And at the end of the day, I just had to really, really focus on what was the most important thing for me, for my career as an individual in the professional workplace not just as zach the hockey player mm -hmm. so that's what ultimate ultimately put everything into perspective and like wow okay maybe i'm here for the wrong reasons maybe hockey kind of blinded me into going to this school maybe i was having a lot of fun with my teammates and while still not letting my grades slip maybe it was just i was doing that on the side, like, all right, oh, yeah, I'm still getting an education, but if I don't care about the education and if I know I'm not going to use it, why am I still putting myself mentally, physically through all of this? Because even if I wasn't playing a lot of games, I'm still practicing as hard as I could and getting into battles with teammates, like obviously in a proper way, but it's still grueling on the body and mentally. And, and we didn't even get a chance to talk about this, but when I'm on the road, like being on the road isn't this glamorous. Like sure we get free, like we flew to Colorado once. I went to Colorado. Did I get to experience Colorado? Hell no. I just went from one airport to another, to the rink, to the hotel, to the rink, to the hotel. Like there's, our schedule is so jam packed for game days, especially when we're on the road that you're not actually visiting to these places. So I was also thinking of that, like, wait, 
if I want to keep, even if I wanted to play like professional hockey, maybe in Europe or at a lower level, because it just was clear that the NHL was out of my reach. Is this all it's going to be? Am I just going to be on a bus or on a plane not actually enjoying these experiences and making like peanuts while doing it when I could be actually trying to focus on what do I want to do for my career outside of hockey, build towards that, get a step ahead of it, and then just enjoy everything else I can do with that away from hockey. Um, I kind of have an idea, but just for everyone else there, how big and difficult was that to come to the acceptance and realization of like your identity as Zach, the hockey player, and maybe needing to step away from that person that you were to focus more on the professional going forward and human being going forward that obviously like you still play hockey and everything there but up until that point that was like a, a massive part of your identity that was me like yeah. people like especially like because on my dad's side you know we're we have a lot of like extended family yep. members and a lot of the time like, oh yeah you're ed's son the one who plays hockey i'm like yeah that's me uh like nobody and that was who i was like in high school a lot of people like oh yeah like you, you're good at hockey i'm like oh, thank you but like yeah i'm also a person <laughs> like uh, that was like a lot of ways how people knew me and and even how i knew myself like that's how i would introduce not introduce myself but like so what are you doing these days well i'm playing hockey and i'm trying to get a scholarship oh i got a scholarship and now i'm gonna see where hockey takes like it was always something or hockey and something or something in hockey so to try to grasp grasp of the idea like all right, take hockey out of the equation. What are you going to do? You're 20. I was 23 at the time. Like, or no, I was 22. Sorry. What the hell? Yeah, I was 22. Um, like you're so young. Don't just continue this decision purely based, like blinded based, blinded love of hockey. Mm -hmm. And really it was, like I talked about some of the greatest moments and like how excited this was like one of the hardest decisions at the time. It was the hardest decisions of my life. Yeah. And like hands down having to get my classmate, like the people on the hockey team from my class in the room without like purely breaking down and telling them I was leaving and quitting was the hardest thing to do. Like I could see the look in all their eyes. Cause we were, we all got so close and like one of the guys was looking at me and he knew what I was about to say. And he started crying and I was like breaking down. I'm like, Oh my God, this is, yeah, it was, it was horrible. And then like, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go. Like I went house to house, tell every single guy on the team, everyone's hugging me and everyone's feeling sad and everyone you can tell are just crushed. And I'm like, I'm like holding back tears after you know, I was, it was a whirlwind of emotions and just everything about that day was very hard. And then, uh, there's like weeks after, like that was maybe like a week before I was coming home for Christmas break. So I was like, all right, I need to, like those couple of days before I didn't tell him, I was just like, all right, I need to say, it, I need to say it. I need to say it. Mm -hmm. And then I finally like got up the courage to tell everyone so then I could just like move on, enjoy those last couple of days with them. And, and believe me, we enjoyed those days together. <laughs> um, but yeah, because I've, I'd heard of stories in the past where players just went home at Christmas and never came back 
So I was like, there's no way, like I'm way too close with all these guys. I could never do that with, to them. I need to be a man, tell them why I'm doing this, how I feel, what's been going on with me. Just be open about it and let them accept that. And obviously they did because if I would have just walked away without saying boo, I would have hated myself and, and they would have hated me for it. Like, how do you go through almost two years to get like living with people and then just abandoning them? Like I had to, I had to go through with it and I'm happy I did. Wow. That's so I just, I'm so quiet because I'm like, I don't, I didn't know any of this. And I'm like, I'm just like the listeners right now. Just (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a a lot to drop on for sure. Yeah. Um, but Zach, like what I'm sure at the end of the day, it was a positive experience. Even you went through the highs and lows, but like, there's some stuff that you'll never forget. And like, what are some of the biggest, I guess, was it like character things that you learned about yourself when you, uh, school in Rochester? Was it like, um, stuff that you learned then you still take to this day, right? And in, in your day to day life, uh, can you like. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just the constant battle, first of all, of trying to prove yourself. That was like an everyday thing that I had to do from like my early years and juniors, but then like every day in college. So that's just kind of like getting you into that mindset of the workforce where it's like, hey, don't take anything for granted and every single day show up ready to work your bag off because there's always going to be somebody else who's going to try to come in and take your spot. And that's kind of what happened. And even though that was happening, I was still going to practice every day and giving it my all. And just, it just felt like I was mentally getting beaten down because like, it didn't matter what I did and what I, it wasn't uh, being reflected by anybody seeing it. So that's just what I was going through. And uh, now Yes, to also answer, there's so many positives. Like, that's why I can still talk about this and I don't feel any shame of it whatsoever. I just had way too many amazing moments, mostly because of the people I was there with. If uh, they weren't there, I don't think I would would have had as fond of memories that not just from the people from my class, but from the entire team. Um, and like Eric, you can quickly say like you met basically the whole team and everyone was nothing but just like, Oh, you cool that you're Zach's brother. Like come party with us, come do this. Like everyone's super welcoming, whether you're on the team or a family member of the team or a friend, like my friends came down whenever they could. Like, I think, uh, I had a couple of friends that came down like two, three times or two, three times a year. It felt like, you know, they drove down, come see the games and come out with us. They had the best times ever. So No, I really have uh, nothing to look back on but positives. And yes, you learn a lot about yourself because, you know, I took a chance. I moved away, lived in a different country where I sure I'd been before times, but now you're completely on your own and you need to just accept the fact that, hey, no one is really holding your hand here. Sure, there's people to help you, but if you want to do whatever it is that you do, you got to do it yourself. And uh, now I take that kind of mindset into the workforce and whatever I'm doing. Just always be ready to put that extra step forward and be, hey, it's on me. Don't wait for anybody else to do it for you. Yeah, and I mean, your whole experience is like a, a great encapsulation of everything that you can learn from sports Mm -hmm. that apply to real life like the majority of 
the life a lot of the life lessons you've learned have come from all your time playing in sports from yep. the young age and the Timbit level grassroots to going to college NCAA at the highest level going there as a hockey player and leaving from there as a man and now in in like a, a better position because of it I think like, like yeah. you said you don't have regrets for leaving college which like you and even going into this episode maybe people thought like oh it's all glamorous when you get there highs and lows like everyone in life right so I think it just um, is a bigger microcosm of life in general for you it's really made you like, become a great person now that like no one talked to you no one talks to you anymore about like oh Zach like you're the hockey player like you're not Zach who's in the world of construction and mm-hmm. thriving on your own now yeah exactly no it's uh, it's been a complete change and i think it's been a change for the best yeah. so i'm very happy of uh, how i was able to use my experiences in hockey to help me shape into what i am today you know it's been uh, it's been fantastic I'd wish it for everybody to go through those kinds of experiences. I was blessed to be able to go through in whichever sports that is. Yeah. Or any walk any, of life yeah, pretty much. Exactly. Um, I think like, that's a solid spot to wrap up our conversation about like, your experience as an NCAA athlete. Mm-hmm. And uh, now it seems almost trivial to go into some random recommendations, but you know, that's how we do out here. A bit, <laughs> of, a bit of heavy life talk and now a bit of a nice little jump on the couch and throw something on Netflix. So Zach, do you have anything that you want to just recommend? To, it doesn't have to be like, obviously a movie, like, you know how it works there. But yeah, no, no. Recommend? For sure. Um, perfect time to switch over. Well, I just want to say... This is Wednesday night as we're recording. It's draft night. I, I just peeked at the draft list. I'm shocked that Leo Carlson went second overall. So I just thought I had to mention that. Almost as shocked as I am as when I heard that Justin Mockdinger put Thor Ragnarok in the bad sequels. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's another one. Anyways, I, I had to throw that in somewhere tonight. Um but no, it's been pretty chill for me recently. I haven't been watching much new stuff. I know uh, on Netflix, I watched uh, this TV show is hilarious. It's like the lightest high school, you know, just a little kid show to watch. Uh, I think you guys have talked about it before on the pod. Uh, Never have I ever. Mm-hmm. It is hilarious. Trent the goat <laughs> slays me every time he's on camera so that like I crushed that in like three days and I was like oh this is amazing other than that uh, nothing much I watched the couple of Mission Impossibles mm. to get psyched for the new one coming out there so uh, and also well, it'll be too late for the people listening to this but uh, the Mission Impossibles they're coming off of Netflix oh, July 1st damn okay the uh like the last three yeah so if you want to brush up on that uh eric and matt do so now and to the listeners a little tough luck <laughs> <laughs> they're going on paramount plus or something yeah probably. most likely Fair so right yeah that's, uh, that's all i got for the listeners that's some solid recommendation i was literally going to recommend never have i ever so zach is talking about season four which is yeah. actually the last season of this show so it's come to a close mm-hmm. i also obviously watched it all fantastic show overall and great last season it gets tough you know, a lot of shows fall victim to not finishing well and i think this one really did end well 
So if you haven't seen Never Have I Ever, Matt, I don't know if you, I did recommend it before in the past. I'm not sure. Have you gotten a chance of watching it? Yeah, I watched most of season one and I've seen about half of uh, season four because my girlfriend watched it all. I watched the last episode. Like I know how it ends. Mm. I It is a really funny show, lighthearted. Like it's, you don't have to be 100% be paying attention. Uh, like it's nothing to, uh, anyways. No, it, it was good from what I've seen. I haven't like watched though like every single episode like you guys. But the, the characters are great. Uh, I'll quickly recommend a few things too. So one would be a movie on Netflix. I know for a fact is not being taken off there because it's a Netflix original, which would be the movie <laughs> called Extraction starring Chris Hemsworth. You might've seen this, like this movie dropped during COVID it was coming off the heels of Endgame. Chris Hemsworth plays like this gun for hire, basically who's hired by, different organizations in the world to, in this case, extract the son of a um, drug lord in India. Uh, basically goes, it's a roller coaster ride, like does not take a breath to breathe. And it's just like a killing rampage for the character that Chris Hemsworth <laughs> plays. The action is off the chain. I did not expect it to be as intense as it was. Literally shades of John Wick. Like that's the kind of action that you're getting in this movie. So a very um, dark, I guess, change of pace for Chris Hemsworth coming off a very lighthearted like, comfort zone in Thor. So it was really nice to see him in this kind of role where he's not funny, not charismatic, borderline unlikable, but very <laughs> cool and fun to follow. Like, it's a great change of pace for him. Like He's obviously still your protagonist, so like, you're not supposed to not like him, but he doesn't have that like charm that Thor does and you maybe even associate with Chris Hemsworth so I thought it's a great movie there's a sequel that came out this year which apparently is better than the first one so I'm super pumped to watch that so Extraction on Netflix solid movie like nothing that reinvents the wheel there but a good like I've been in the mood for action movies these days it's been really fun to to watch like on the big screen mm -hmm. I mean like my TV here 65 inches something like that not a big 55. deal. Um, anyways, but yeah, I know it's a definitely recommend extraction. I remember when it came out and never watched it. Uh, I'm going to watch it now. After seeing the second one drop, I'm like, I got to still watch the first one. I heard nonstop action. I heard like almost excessive gunplay, but I like that stuff. So I'm fine with that. So I'm going to check it out, Eric. I saw your letterbox review too. So can't wait to check it out. I'm excited for to watch it. Did, uh, I, I, speaking of action movies, I, uh, watched the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary on Netflix, the three-parter, uh, about his bodybuilding career, acting career, and political career, and it was great. Three hours, quick watch. You learn a lot about Arnold. I love his movies, his action movies, so it was a really easy watch for me. That's the first thing I'm going to recommend. I have a TV show as well, but Eric, did you want to go, do you have anything else? Yeah, I'll go with one more thing, so... We're more than, by the time this drops, we'll be, we're already more than halfway through the year. Pretty brutal year for hip-hop albums, honestly. I don't know if I've already said yeah. this on the pod. By now, I normally have, like, a slam dunk number one album of the year. And in the last three years, like, it has been my pick. By this point, I would have it, and it doesn't change. Here, it's, like, it's completely wide open, and really in the worst way possible, because I hardly have any albums that I even would consider top ten in any other year. Like, there's a few that I enjoy quite a, a bit, but there's a lot of songs I don't love. So it's, I hope great albums drop in the next few months or because it's looking pretty bad, 
but one did drop a few weeks ago now. It's called Michael by Killer Mike, mm. who's one half of Run the Jewels. Really love that album. I thought it's very fire, like a mix of bangers and lyrical rap, like a lot of storytelling from his childhood. And um, that was a really good album. So I would recommend that Michael by Killer Mike. I love that. I loved listening to that one too. Uh, Brandon, our guest that we do the top 10 with, posted about it and I had to listen to it after that so no good good caller good recommendation I started I'm very late to the party on this show because it's I think premiered a Netflix original I believe premiered in like 2011 or 2012 but a very slow tv show to come out and I know season six just came out recently but show I'm talking about is Black Mirror had never seen one episode until like last week I'm now on season three and loving every episode so far they're not all not they're not all like home runs the shows some of the episodes are a little they're not all like amazing but they all have like little nice messages about either technology or people's behavior anyways i'm digging 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 black mirror it's amazing uh can't wait to watch more of it have you seen the show guys <laughs> it's actually kind of a funny story i've only seen one episode and it was with a girl at RIT. <laughs> she like showed me. She's like, oh, you're going to love this. I hated it. I'm like, I'm never watching this again. <laughs> so, <laughs> it yeah. depends what, like it's all standalone episodes, yeah. right? Like it's a different story and yeah. cast every episode. But I've seen the majority of it. There's a few I haven't like in random seasons, but loved a lot of them. Like, have you seen Matt, the white Christmas episode yet? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So Season good. two. Loved oh, it. John oh, Hamm. There's some, yeah, yeah the John Hamm episode. There's some truly amazing episodes in this show, like close to like 10 out of 10 TV. But then others are like, eh, yeah, it's pretty solid. And like you get what they're doing. I feel like in the mm-hmm. later seasons, there starts to be a bit of a dip. But I am excited. I actually should. Uh, That's a good reminder to get into season six and check it out. I've, I know of a few actors in there. I think Salma Hayek's in one episode. Aaron Paul. Anyway, I'm not going to keep listing people there for like spoilers, but... It was like, yeah, no, Black Mirror, uh, solid show for sure. The, I like the one with them, like the contact lens that like you can run back the memories. Like I think it's called the entire yeah. history of you. That's a classic episode. It's like, that was great. Yeah. Jonas, something like that. Yeah, no, it's yeah. good stuff. Yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, I've been me pretty too. busy. I've been going uh, for quite some time there. I think we can wrap it up there. So, um, Zach, fantastic episode. Uh, great to do in person with you. Matt, we'll have to get you in person the next time we do something like this for sure. Hmm. And, um, yeah, no, thanks for sharing, Zach. It's uh, very inspiring. And um, I hope everyone listening were able to take some uh, life lessons from that. And, um, yeah, Zach, any final notes for the listeners? Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me out, guys. It was actually really great to talk about and just, you know, pouring some little uh, heartfelt moments out of my life that I don't really talk about ever so it was good to be able to chat openly and just really reminisce about some of those times some of those great times some of those harder times and uh, I think it's relatable for all people most people and everyone goes through ups and downs and just gotta find a way to fight through them so thanks for having me out again and letting me talk about it it was amazing love coming on the show with you guys Yep. Well said once more. Um, Matt, as per usual, great episode. Any final notes for the listeners? Yeah, for, uh, thank you everybody for listening. Zach, thank you for coming on. You did great. 
Eric, you asked some amazing questions too. Like this is going to be one of my favorite episodes because although I didn't tell, like we weren't reviewing anything, but I, I got to listen to one of my cousin tell this amazing story and I didn't know, I didn't know like any of it. And it was super just fun listening to everything you said tonight, Zach. And yeah, great, great stuff. And yeah, thanks. And I hope everyone enjoyed listening like I did tonight. Yeah, thanks, Matt. So yeah, no, um, like everyone said, thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. Stay tuned for episodes dropping every two Mondays. Continue to stay safe, I guess. Love you all, and yeah, peace. Small pilot. <laughs> stay safe. Yeah.